Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Good morning. Good morning. Glad you're back today. If you're online, if you're in the room, in 1989, maybe you need to think back a little bit, 1989, a company called Reebok changed the shoe industry. In 1989, uh, the company called Reebok came out with a shoe that no one had ever seen before. In 1989, they came out with a shoe called the Reebok Pumps, all right? In case you weren't aware at that time or you're too young for that, this shoe gave the ability to put air in your shoes that they never felt that cushion before. All you had to do was take that blue, I'm sorry, you take that tongue with the orange basketball in the front and you just pinch it. And that shoe would hug you like never before. It kind of reached its pinnacle when it got to the NBA dunk contest and one of the players, D. Brown, soared through the air with his elbow over his eyes, threw it down, and with that, won the trophy while wearing his Reebok pumps. Now you know, young Scott, he needed some Reebok pumps, right? He needed some Reebok pumps. The problem was... At that time, they cost $170. Jordans at that time didn't cost more than $100. In money equivalency, this would be like asking for over $400 for a pair of shoes. Now, I didn't know what the price was. I didn't know what these things cost. I don't even know if I ever looked at the price. And parents, we know how this works, right? When your kids want something, they don't look at the price. They just want it. And that was me. I just wanted a pair of the Reebok pumps. Well, my parents, they're good parents. My parents, they blessed me so much growing up. One day I received a gift from them, a box. And when I opened it up, I saw this pair of shoes with a pump on the tongue. The problem was, it did not say Reebok on it. The problem was, it said the word Voight. See, my parents, they loved me, but they didn't love me $170 worth. You know what I'm saying? They loved me, but $170 for shoes, that was not Scott's life growing up. Let me tell you that. And so there I was, I can still remember it, looking at the shoe, knowing the label on it was not what I hoped it would be. Now, it's fun to look back and remember those stories from when we're young, right? And and the scars they leave. Not deep scars, you know, little scars, right? But I remember looking back, and as I look back, the thing I remember from this the most is it reminds me the weight that labels can have on giving things certain value. Now, now labels matter to you, but maybe it's not shoes, right? We all have these things with labels, and maybe for you it's sporting equipment, 
Maybe for you it's clothing, it's sunglasses, it's watches, it's vehicles, it's technology. We all have some drive towards some labels, I think, and whatever yours are, the value of those things change so often based on the labels that are on the front of it. Now the problem with this is labels transcend things. The problem is labels transcend things and labels can become attached to people as well. Labels, without even our permission, the value of them can attach themselves to us and, and, and before we know it, they shape how we think. When labels attach themselves to us, it changes how we act. When labels come on us and, and, and they stick, it changes often decisions we make, how we look at ourselves. These labels determine often how we live our lives. And sometimes we realize it, and sometimes we don't. But none of us are immune to the battle that goes on, including myself when it comes to labels. And that's why I wanna share the next thing that sits on Scott's desk. See, if you're new today, and I hope uh, you, you're finding yourself welcome and safe and enjoying being here today, but we are in the middle of a series titled Refocus. And essentially this series, if you've been a part of this, is I'm just opening up my life. I'm kind of letting you see kind of the insides of Scott. Like, what are some of the battles that I go through that I can often become distracted? And when I get distracted, it changes how I think, how I live. And it's in these moments that maybe these are the moments that are most destructive to me. And so that's why five objects sit on my desk every day all the time. Because when I see them, when I grab a hold of them, they remind me to refocus my thinking, to refocus my living. As I'm trying to follow Jesus the best I can. And so, so, so far we've been through the wooden robot. We, we've been through the, the rock from the Sea of Galilee. We, we've been through the coin. And you can always go online and listen or, or watch what those mean if you missed it. But today we move to the metal hashtag. Today we move to the metal hashtag. But in order to know why... In order to see what's so significant about the metal hashtag, and maybe you'll be able to connect with it as well, we need to go a bit back in Scripture, okay? We're going to go Old Testament today, and we're going to go to the book of Judges, okay? So if you want to grab your phones, we use the YouVersion app. You can always follow along there. Um, you got your Bibles. You can have a Bible in the seat. We're going Old Testament. We're going to go Judges chapter 6, or you can follow along on the screen. But we're going to go verse 1 through 11 to know why the hashtag is so important and why I need it to sit on my desk because maybe you need one in your life and you didn't know it. Verse one, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of the Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in the mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. 
Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way down to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land and they ravaged it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. And when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet and he said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I brought you um, up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship gods of the, uh, the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Ophrah and belong, that belonged to Joash the Bezerite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Let's stop there for a second. We need to stop there to and figure out what is going on in this story. How did we get to this place where this destructive life is happening? And to, in order to see how we got here in Judges 6, we gotta go even further back in scripture and remind ourselves how all of this began. And you know this, I believe you know this, that God created all of this, all of it. And in his creation, we see that he created humans. Now, he didn't just create humans. Scripture says in the beginning, God created humans, but he created them in what? His image. He doesn't just create people. He says, I'm creating them in the likeness of me. And as he created them, the number one thing we see that he wanted was a relationship with his creation. That's what he wanted for himself, and that's what he wanted for us. But, as I say here often, we got it right for two chapters, but by the third chapter we messed it all up. What we know, what we see is humans went away from the way that God designed them to live, and because of sin, brokenness uh, replaced perfection. Brokenness took over where perfection had once lived. There's brokenness in the core created earth, and there's brokenness in this relationship that was supposed to be. And from that time on, a battle ensued. From that time on, humanity has been in this battle, and this battle can be simply said as this, who am I now? We are created in the image of God. We carry the likeness of God's fingerprint on our life. But now, there, listen, there's a distance in what was supposed to be there. And I want you to know this for your life. Distance from God 
always brings confusion about who we are. Distance from God always brings confusion to who we are. That's how it began. Now, let's fast forward just a, a little bit more and let's go to Abraham. Abraham is created by God. And as life went on, God began to show Abraham not only who he was, but how he's going to use them in this world. Now, Abraham's story is very detailed, very important, but for today's purposes, the biggest part of Abraham's story is that God told him he was going to start something new through him. Abraham, you probably know this story, Abraham was told by God that he was going to be the father of his chosen people. He was going to be the beginning of God's people, the Israelites. Now, God made sure Abraham knew something. We got to get this. God made sure Abraham knew something that he would pass down from generation to generation to generation. This was going to be fundamental. This was going to be foundational. He needed them to understand that as they went through this battle in life of who am I now, he's like, you've got to make sure people know that I'm going to make a promise with them. Remembering that God's number one desire in the beginning of creation was relationship. So the promise was, I'm going to be your God. And you're going to be my people. And if you're unaware of scripture, you haven't read this, this is what we call God's covenant or promise with his people that he created. In the battle that you're in, you have to remember this one foundational understanding of who God is and who we are, is that he is our God and we are his people. Well, life goes on. Just like it did at the beginning. Life goes on. And people do what people do. Over and over, this happens with the Israelites, that they do what they want to do versus living in the relationship of they are his, he is their God and they are his people. And so it happened after creation. It happened after Abraham. And now let's jump ahead to where we were, back to Judges, that this is how we got to this place, that these Israelites decided to do what the Lord says to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. It says that they decided to worship other gods. Now the result of this is they're just living in defeat. The result of this is they've lost themselves. The result of this is they've been in seven years of destruction. And that's where we see Gideon sitting under the tree, sitting in the shade, and God has to speak to Gideon, just like he did Abraham. And so he's got a message for him. And so I want you to picture what the story is like. If you're new here, if you're a guest this morning, one of the things I'm very passionate about is let's not just read the Bible like it's the Bible way out there. Let's jump in. Can we picture what's going on? These are God's words to us. Can we, can we picture Gideon is under the tree 
And Gideon has been part of a beatdown of his life and the life of the Israelites. The Israelites are consistently destroying their crops, they're destroying their animals, they're destroying their livelihoods, everything about their life. But I don't think they just destroyed things. Can you imagine what was said to Gideon and the rest of the Israelites? Can you imagine what they've done to them in the process of invading them? How they spoke the words that came out of their mouth. How they beat them into submission. You aren't special. Believe you're God's people, but you aren't special. Look what we can do to you. Look at the destruction that can happen in your life. And this is where we see Gideon sitting there threshing wheat in the wine press. Now, you may read this on the surface and be like, threshing wheat in the wine press, that may be nothing really. But actually, this gives us even more of the picture. Normally, they would have threshed wheat on the side of a hilltop. And when the wind came, it would take the byproduct of that threshing. And that is where crops would come from. It would go out into the land, and it would get into the soil, and it would build up. But he can't do that. Because what is happening, every time a crop comes up, people come and destroy it. So now he's in the wine press, which is at the bottom of any hill. He's at the bottom doing what she should be doing in the open. He's sitting hidden. It's just a little detail, but when you see where he's doing it, it makes a different picture. That Gideon is living in hiding. He's living in defeat. He's living life, and it's a mess right now. He can't do what he needs to do, and he's just trying to survive. And can you imagine the words that he says to himself? Like, this isn't me, is it? Like, I can't believe God has forgotten us. Weren't we supposed to be his people? This is what's been passed down from generation to generation. Look who we are now. Is this who I am? And I wonder if Gideon has forgotten what has been spoken over his life. Has he forgotten that he is God's and God is his? Has he forgotten who he is underneath this label? And the angel of the Lord comes and speaks to him. Verse 12. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. God speaks to Gideon and he's trying to help him see who he really is. And if you continue to read, you'll see that Gideon is so confused in this moment. And you see that he argues with the angel a little bit. He's like, I am not that person. How, how can you say I'm that person? How can you say that I'd be a warrior and I could win and our people could do things? And I think about Gideon, I'm wondering, have you ever been in the place where you're so confused, nothing people can say can make a difference. Nothing drags you out of feeling the weight of life. Your circumstances have beat you down. The words of others have beat you down. What is being produced in your life is beating you down. 
Your past has so much baggage. Your present seems so hard and your future seems so negative. And I look and I go, I think this is the seat that Gideon's sitting in. He's just beat down. He's confused. But why this story is so fundamental and important to me is God begins to intervene in his life. And if I were to add a few words of my own, this is what I hear God saying when he sends the angel to speak to Gideon. He says, Gideon, you are a mighty warrior. Gideon, I created you. Gideon, you are mine. Gideon, I'm telling you, me, it's me telling you, this is who you are. You are a mighty warrior. I know you're in the middle of battling. Who am I? But that's who you are. I think God sometimes does this in our life. He reaches down in very direct ways and he speaks to the place that needs to be spoken to the most. And because we are his, what we need to remember today is he is the only one that gets to speak who we are. No one or nothing else in life gets to tell us who we are. Yes, things have happened in your life. But can I remind you this morning, what has ever happened in your life does not get the authority to label who you are. Those things are not allowed to set your value as a person. And what if God today needs to remind you like he reminded Gideon? Since I'm your creator, I get to put a label on you. Since I am your God and you are my people, only I can put a label on your life of who you are. Well, a long story short... Gideon finally, like, owns, okay, this is God. You are speaking to me. You are calling me. You're speaking who I am. It's in this moment he, believe, he begins to live in who God says he is. And if you continue to read the story, the miracles that happen through Gideon's life, well, there's a reason we know Gideon's name, right? Right? The nation sees God again. They break out of their idolatry of their God, uh, of, of, of other gods, and they break through their identity crisis. They break through because God uses Gideon to refocus them. Now, the crazy part of this story, listen to me, it wasn't the last time it happened. The crazy part of this story is that again and again, the Israelites will struggle with this concept. 
They bounce back and forth in who they are. And every time they forget who they are, they forget the label that God has put on them, things fall apart. Every time they forget who God is and who they are under this, things begin to fall apart. Sometimes that's emotionally, sometimes that's physically, but they go through life and there's a confusion of who they are and who God is and it has direct connections to them forgetting the label that God put on them. And couldn't that be said of us? Can we be honest with ourselves? We go back and forth in life. We battle and we battle and we battle in life. We battle this so much in life, and I think this is why God knew how much we needed Jesus. Jesus enters the story in the New Testament later, and what we, knew, what we learn is that Jesus loves us so much. He sees so much value in us. He sees so much value in us, he's willing to give his life for us because we are his. And then we see words through scripture that begin to speak truth over our lives. Scriptures like Ephesians chapter two. You want a label for your life? For we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he's planned for us long ago. That's a label he puts on us. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All through scripture, he speaks to us about being the child of God. That's the label he wants to put on you. He talks how he's working for the good of those that love him. And what I've noticed in life is that when we live in those truths, the reality of my life is peace. The reality of my life is increased joy. The reality of my life is, is there's contentment and there's freedom there. But I'll tell you from my life, every time I walk out of that label, life gets confusing. Every time I forget who God is to me and who I am to him and I walk outside of that relationship, I just lose who I am. And that's why I don't think the greatest battle in our life is our circumstances. I believe the number one battle we all have is remembering where I find my identity. We always talk about our circumstances and how hard they are. But when we remember in the midst of whatever is going on, I remember that I am God's and that he is mine. It changes how I walk through everything. It changes how I view my value. It changes how I view myself. And I need God to come and remind me of that time and time again which is why the metal hashtag now if you don't know how hashtags work in our culture just google it just find out but it's the simple answer would be the hashtag is how things are labeled 
on social media. Hashtag is how things are identified on social media. How this works is I can search anything on social media. I just put hashtag and whatever, and it will show me all the things that people post under this label. And so it sits on my desk. It may mean nothing to you, but I want to tell you this hashtag reminds me of two very important things in my life. The first thing it does is it reminds me that God has labeled me his. I need to be reminded the theme through scripture from the beginning to the end is that God has labeled me his. When things or people try to steal who I am, who owns me, who I belong to, I need to look at this and be reminded that I have been labeled God's. And that changes who I am. And the second thing is that my value is only found in him. And we may say that's an easy concept, but I want you to think back about life this week and how much you struggled with your value as a person and how that ebbs and flows with your circumstances. When someone affirms me, I feel good about myself. When someone says something to me I, that in a negative way, I really question myself. When something good happens in my life, maybe that's at work, it's finances, it's, it's you get a, a raise, you get a promotion, you get just something good happens. The label is, man, I'm doing good and I'm good in life. And then something bad happens. Chaos happens. We begin to question ourselves and new labels begin to put on my life. And this happens to me. I still struggle with some days, Pastor Scott is loved, and other days, he's not loved as much. My emotions can go up and down. Some days, my kids do great, and some days, they don't. And my labeling can go up and down. Am I a good parent or am I a bad parent? Some days, I'm a good husband, and some days, I'm not. You know, think of all the areas in your life that we begin to label us and it's a roller coaster ride. And I have to look at my desk and I see this and say, those things don't label you. They're not allowed to label you. They're not allowed to dictate your value in life. And do you know why this matters so much? because I believe we will always live up to or down to who we believe we are. We will always live up to or down to who we believe we are. This is why it's important reminding ourselves in life to always be edifying and building other people up that our words are important because I know that people struggle with this. And so I need to be building people up because we will always live up to or down to who we believe we are. And because we struggle with this, that belief roller coaster can take us on some rides. 
And the second thing is living in my identity in Christ will amplify his power in and through our lives in ways we've never experienced it. Gideon, when he started living in his identity in God, the miracles that happened in his life down the road could not have happened. God used his life to bring Israel back. Yes, they fell away again, and God used someone else down the road to bring them back. And, and, and I want to speak into your life today and remind you that what you do is not your label. What people say are not your labels. Your past, listen, may have huge successes or huge failures, but neither of those are your labels. Your present circumstances could be hugely successful or hugely a struggle, but neither of those are your labels. You need to be reminded that you are God's and he is yours. And that's how he created the earth to be. It's how he created humans to be. It was in 2010. A photograph was taken. And this photograph was a simple photograph of a potato. This photograph of the potato sold for over a million dollars. Why did that photograph sell for over a million dollars? It wasn't the potato, it was the person who took the picture of the potato. A guy named Kevin Abash. Well-known guy that took pictures of celebrities. You want his picture taken by you? It can cost you between $150,000 to $500,000. And he took this picture, and, he, and it was sold for over a million dollars. Can I tell you today, the value of something is not just in what it is, it's who it's connected to. And you have to remember that God is yours and you are his. And your label, your value, your identity has to be only connected to the one that gets to have the authority that says who you are. Here's the thing about my life. I know this. I know you know this. I know I've probably already told you this if you've been part of the church the last six years. You've heard me say this. But just like the Israelites, we forget and we walk away from this. And we let other things label and identify us. And we do that. I think we start to live in confusion. When there is distance between you and God, confusion comes in life. When there's confusion, you start wondering, God, are you real? You're Gideon sitting there, God, you've forgotten me. Are you real? Do I even believe in this anymore? When distance between you and God happens, it messes everything up. And we begin to question things in life. And I want to remind you this morning, you don't have to question who you are because you are God's. And you don't have to question 
is he yours? Because from the very beginning of this world, he established. I created you in my image. And we're together in this, if you will let me. And when we do that, how we live life changes. I don't know if anyone in here is wrestling with this at all. I don't know if anybody watching online, listening, is struggling with this at all. That you've ridden the, the roller coaster of who you are, what labels you, and maybe today you need to just, you need to find that footing again. God says you're his, and God says, hey, you get me as well. And maybe that is what's going to carry you through whatever you're going through because whatever it is the reality of life right now, it's not who you are. And you don't have to live in the fear, the confusion, the whatever life is bringing because I think when we find our identity and our value in Christ, there's something that holds us and grabs us. And I can walk through anything in life knowing at least I know who cares about me, loves me, wants to work through me. And I'm going to hold on to that. And so it sits on my desk. And I look at it most days. And maybe you need that for your life as well. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, God in heaven, Thank you for reaching down into humanity and reminding us over and over that you created us, you love us, you are for us, that God, you are working in our lives and you just want us to be, I, we want to, you want us to find our identity just in that we are yours. God, if there is confusion today, there is frustration today, there is angst today, there is fear today, God, may you remind us today, hey, all those circumstances, they're gonna, whew, life is, life is one big roller coaster, but your feet, God, remind us that our feet can be held firm in you, and we don't have to take that ride. God, if there's someone today who has found their identity in anything else other than you, bring us back to you today, God. Speak to us in the way we need to hear it. And God, we will listen. It's your name. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.